T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Back here on the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan. Let us know, 877-881-1053, if you've gotten to work or home safely. And the roads are rough out there. Let us know where the roads are rough because we'd like to let the Tolos know out there what to avoid. Because this morning, Mike, on my drive in, I had absolutely, there was no precipitation on the ground. My drive was easy and Central Expressway was, you know, pretty easy to ride on as you have the lunch break here and you're getting your opportunity to go get some lunch or maybe even a lot of, I'm, I'm supposing a lot of people are going home. I was hearing there were some releases at noon today. Plano yeah. ISD did not release until they're going to cancel events this evening because nothing's going on up there. But we want to know, if, if it, is it west of Dallas? Is it south of Dallas? What are the areas that are tough in the DFW area right now? Well, it looks like I'm just on Dallas because that's where we're at and where we live. I know a lot of schools, like I saw Granbury, Azle, a lot of Fort Worth schools were canceled this morning as I turned on the morning news on television, Channel 5 NBC. All yes, absolutely, of course. Uh, is It seemed like everything west and north of Dallas was kind of shutting down. Everything kind of in Dallas or a little bit maybe south of Dallas and east of Dallas looked like they were still going to try to get through this day um yeah it looks like i'm just looking at the radar it looks like there's kind of i guess purple is kind of a wintry mix and it looks like it's kind of sprinkling through dfw okay all right from the uh from the 469 Corey. everything clear from rockwall to cato mills from the 214 freezing rain over in justin roanoke area our bridges are very slick the 214 on my way home, North Dallas Tollway is completely clear, easy drive. So if you're on the North Dallas Tollway, that is a, uh, it looks like heading north right now is starting to collect some people. Yeah. Mike on 75 is, it looks, they're probably going home or to lunch. You never know. South We're, is going great. So if you're on 75 South, everything's moving normal and plenty of room. If you are going north though, it looks like it's kind of slower. From the, uh, from the 817, Sherman is where it is. I don't know exactly what that means. Is that like just being in Sherman's awesome? Cause oh, I've been in like Sherman where before. where the weather's happening. Yeah. It looks like Denton has been, at least on this map, looks like Denton getting if you're a, a if you're a mean greener uh-huh a maybe let night. us know it looks like maybe denton's been getting some freezing rain today bridges slick in south lake and a lot of texas men prosper is regular on schedule except evening events uh leaving work in plano early release nothing on the roads heading to Carrollton. mansfield closed at noon so yeah man that i think that's a significant thing whenever weather hits this area uh there's always something going on that's why you got to have the best the best possible eyeballs, and that's the Tolos out there keeping track of what's going on. All right, so, Mike, I, I was, I, I came up with this question last night before Ooh. the Kellen Moore news came out, and the, I think it kind of fits with the Kellen Moore news still, though, because I, I wanted to know if everybody felt like the Cowboys gave themselves the best possible talent for this year, and do you have faith that they'll take a step forward or a step back? That also has to do with the offseason moves that they've made just now. Not just the Kellen Moore move, but the other coaches they moved on from and the bringing back of Dan Quinn. And I think I'm, I'm 
I don't think that the Cowboys are going to be stagnant about a lot of things. I do question a lot of times if the Joneses get honest answers or if they get yes-men answers from a lot of the people around them. And would the honest answers be welcome? You know, like, do you really want to make this thing better? Are you going to have people disagree with you about it? Or are you going to have people that walk out there and go, man, Dak is great. Look, at he's not, nah, man. He, he's a leader. Well, at some point, the leader has to make big-time throws. At some point, the leader has to command the offense better than the opponent has a, better, a grasp of their defense, better than the opponent has a grasp of your offense. And against San Francisco, that, was not, that wasn't the case multiple times. So I, I, I am... I'm looking at this thing going, I really do like what the Cowboys have done the last few years with Mike McCarthy on board. They brought in Dan Quinn, who I think is a fantastic defensive coordinator. He has the entire defense backing him. I mean, from Micah Parsons all the way down the list, Demarcus Lawrence loves him. They love playing for that guy. That's what you want. You don't want to have that guy and then everybody's saying, well, he's hunting for your job. You want to have that guy because that guy wants to be here as the defensive coordinator for this organization under you as the head coach, and he's going to make sure that he goes out and finds the best talent for that defense, and he does his job exceptionally. Dan Quinn deserves where he is and deserves okay. a lot more. Yes. I, I don't want the Cowboys to be stagnant on the offensive side and say, now we don't have to commit that much to this side because Mike McCarthy is going to either get himself fired or we're going to be 12-5 and five again. I want them to say, now we're pouring everything into it. I do have faith that they will because, one thing, they draft well. Other than that, though, I don't have faith in anything else. So, let me understand where you're coming from here. Yeah. You have faith that they're going to draft offensive players that are going to help, but you don't have faith that they're going to add anything else besides their I don't. draft picks. I don't, yeah, they're not. Okay. I don't think they're I, good I at it. I agree with that. That's because I was going to ask you, why do you have faith that Stephen Jones, who pretty much runs the organization now for the most part, like personnel-wise, why do you believe he will go away from, I'm worrying too much about 2026 to really worry about 2023? I don't. Like, that's, that is, and that is where I'm, I, I wonder, because this is Stephen, like, he's, he's trying to navigate this too, because he's learning it all at the same time, I, and, and there are, Things that I'm like, man, he could have been create more creative here, or even just said, we're going to bite the bullet on this one, and we're going to add this type of player, this caliber player, to our team because that's what's going to get us over the top. I think they are bitten in the butt by like the Gerald McCoys and the Don Terry Poe contracts, where you're like, even though Maybe they didn't even really Brandon cost Carr them. from a decade ago, yeah, but bitten in the butt on on moments where where they're like. Well, if we spend $48 million on that guy and he gets hurt, look at the Von Miller contract. People are like, you could have had Von Miller. Von Miller didn't play in the final game. Yeah. And that happened there with, you know, Gerald McCoy and those guys too. And there does ha it, there is a lot of the right timing, hoping that that guy is the same guy that he was before. I look at Indomitian Sue, a guy that we've been trying to get on this team for years. The Eagles went out and got him. Guess what, Mike? He's going to his third Super Bowl with his third different team. Because that's what that guy does. He's good at it. And so I'm like, oh, man, you could have had him. You could have really gone out and got an Indomitian Sioux at any point. But that dude just sits and waits. Like, he's at a point now, Mike, where he sits and waits for the right team and goes, yeah, all right, I'll take that one. So it's all in his court. The Cowboys love things being in their court. People come to them 
and say, hey, I want this from you. And the Cowboys say, all right, we will allow it or we will not. But I do have faith that they're going to they're going to look at their team and say, we have to be better in this area this year. And it's going to be a bargain, if not just a draft piece. Can I ask you specific questions yeah, about areas? Because you're, you're talking about offense, and I agree with you. Everything you're saying there. If you don't draft a wide receiver with the first pick in the 26th pick, it's weird because it's the 26th pick because the Miami Dolphins have forfeited yes. their pick. Yes. But on the board, it will say maybe 27. I don't know exactly, but it will be the 26th player selected yeah. if they stay there. Um, 27th pick after Miami forfeits their first round pick because of the illegal things they did in recruiting or whatever is, um, or it might have been through the coach situation, sorry, is if they don't draft a guy with that pick, then they're going to sign James Washington and not him, but they're going to sign it. That, that means absolutely nothing. Like, do you, do you he think, averages you, 32 catches a game, but here I saw him at Oklahoma State. Mike, he's going to get 90 catches for 1,000 yards. And I'm like, like, no, he's not, dude. Like, Do you think that they're done with the Odell Beckham uh, circus? That's like, a great question. Do you think question. that comes back up this offseason? I think they're – their medical people are completely and totally done with them. Okay. <laughs> I don't think Jerry Jones is. I don't think Stephen Jones really wants Odell Beckham Jr. So now it comes to could possibly Jerry just say, I don't care, we're signing Odell Beckham Jr. That could happen. But I put that at like a 20% chance of happening. But you did bring up a specific name. I do yeah. like it. I'm just worried. Corey, that if they don't draft a receiver at 26, I'm not saying you have to, but if they don't, I don't know how you get better at wide receiver because they won't commit any funds to it. Well, you you did draft one in the third round, and he couldn't get on the field. Again, I was wrong. I, I don't know what happened because with the receiver that I saw in college, and I was like, man, he could oh, run like all these Tolbert. routes. Yeah, uh, Jalen Tolbert. I was really excited about him. He could, when he got on the field, he lost a game yeah. for us. Like, that's that's where I'm like, hold on, what, what's wrong? I don't know. I mean, Simi Fajoko, like, they kept him around uh, and, and still doesn't, doesn't make any impact on the field. So, I totally forgot about him. I, they, you know, those are draft picks that I'm like, and then I look at draft picks like Nashawn Wright and Kelvin Joseph, and they're committed to those guys, right? To the point where, hey, What's up with this guy? And they're like, no, nah, this guy is a caliber. This this dude is an NFL caliber cornerback. And you watch him play and you're like, but he's not playing like an NFL caliber cornerback. So I like there are some misses for sure. And that's going to happen. Mike, you know, the Rangers have proven that you never you will never hit on all of them. And you may never hit on any of them. But that's a but draft picks are what they are. But if you wanted to sell out as you're listening, if you and I don't think Stephen Jones is even going to go down this route at all. I wonder now Arizona obviously is going in another direction at coach and uh, like if you offered the 26th overall pick or the 27th pick the, your first round pick for Deshaun uh or for uh, DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins what what do what does Arizona do there? I think they jump at it I and, really do and you got a guy who I believe is still when healthy when healthy as good or maybe a little bit better than CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. So now you have a – I think DeAndre Hopkins is a 50-50 future Hall of Famer. He is – his numbers suggest he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. He's still – he's like at the back end of his prime or just exiting his prime. It's a big risk, 
but you get a huge reward that you got a top five receiver for your first round pick. Let's say, and and I have seen a lot of questions with, would you give up a second for Hopkins? And I would in a, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat for a second. And then some. the question I think that I really loved was, which one would you give up a second round pick for? And it was Hopkins and Ramsey. And I was, and that really actually put me in a spot where I was like, oh crap, because I would love to have Jalen Ramsey for a second round pick. How insane would that be to have him and Diggs on the field and knowing that, that Ramsey is going to put his nose in there and tackle somebody too. By the way, Trayvon Diggs did point out that he had a career high in tackles this year. So for anybody that says he doesn't like to tackle, it's just the timing of the tackles that really frustrate the Cowboys fans. That's amazing when you refuse to tackle and you still got the most you've ever <laughs> Like, listen, I tried to not tackle this year, and I still got more than I ever had. Um, and- I do like Trayvon Diggs. I get, I get his faults. He has faults, and they're not going to go away. You're not usually when a guy is scared of something, you're not going to get him unscared of that thing. I yeah. just noticed too much in professional sports. When somebody is scared of something, it's very tough to coach that scaredness out of them. The, so, and so I would love to have the, the defensive player to go along with it. Cause I really do think this defense is that good, but you do need a second wide receiver. Like yeah. the, Michael Gallup wasn't good enough this year. So the Cowboys have to figure out how to do that. Now, they can't lie to themselves either, and they can't have people in that 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 place saying, no, Michael's going to be fine. Or Jalen Tolbert will develop. Yeah, they, they have to be honest with themselves about the assessment of what they are. That being said, I think that the Cowboys were honest with themselves about some of the coaching decisions they've made this this year. Last year, they, they said, hey, we're going to have Micah at more of an edge rusher this season. We got to find a replacement. So they went out and spent on Anthony Barr. And it wasn't a you know an enorm an absorbent amount of money, but they did repl- they did say, hey, we got to do that. But they're bargain hunters. They're not going out there and saying we're going to go get the best guy at it. We're going to go get there and we're going to get a Vlad Guerrero, a guy that's you know he's maybe this one last hurrah uh, to to you give us what? that chance. It seems like on defense they're good bargain hunters. On offense they're bad bargain hunters. Would you agree with that? Who has been a bargain hunter in the last five years? It's worked out offensively. I know that there's plenty. Obviously, you have curse. You, I mean, bar to a to a, a, a way, uh, Hankins, and I know they had to trade for him, but they didn't have to really trade much at all, and that that worked out. Like, are they are they finding? They were so young bargains. They were so young at those positions that it was just offensive line that they were trying to find. That right, like Peters was a bargain hunt this year, where they yeah. and it was emergency. They had to break glass in case of emergency for him. Uh, I'm trying to think of other options that they've. Because everything has been a lot of draft there. They T.Y. Hilton was the addition, but was he worth it? You know, did you get enough production out of him? Did you ever have enough time to really build anything with him? Uh, and I guess, you know, when you re-sign a Noah Brown, that's a bargain hunt right there. Re-signing some of your own at low-end contracts when maybe they weren't even that great in the first place sometimes does get you too. So I guess that's part of their free agency is do we re-sign the Jordan Lewises and Anthony Browns and is that going to be good enough to be actually at one, you know, one of those great teams? Uh, those are some, you know, some of those areas. I do, I do hope. I have a lot of hope for what their offseason is going to look like this year. But if it doesn't look like what the Eagles have been doing, Cowboys fans aren't going to be happy at all. Coming up next here on the KNC Masterpiece, it's time for the lunch rush. Uh-oh. It's the Expressway. Thirty-five uninterrupted minutes of How sports. Mavericks. Dorian Finney-Smith rumor. What does it mean, Mike? And how I almost died. And how you almost died next.
Vinny Smith snatched the offensive rebound after Green missed on a drive to the basket. Bertans is on the floor. Vinny Smith taking it to the hole and finger rolls at the end. I like the way Dorian is playing. This is second game back. Back here on the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan. By the way, Mike, before we dive into uh, this Mavericks conversation, okay. we got plenty of time here. Tom Pelissero tweeted out that NFL teams, uh, NFL-informed teams today, the 2023 salary cap will be a record $224.8 million, million per club. Was that a four that uh, said? $224.8 million. Okay. That's up from $208.2 million and 22 and 182 and 21. So it is going up. So there's some more money to be. Thank God the guys took the first offer the owners made, because <laughs> if not, it'd probably be at 173 million. Probably so. Probably so. Um, smart guys, those NFLPA guys. Well, I mean, you know what, Mike? You're you're right about that. They are smart fellas there. I do want this to happen. 877-881-1053. Actually, at 105.3 The Fan. Here's what I want y'all to do. Tweet your pictures. Carter will ensure that every single picture gets a like and maybe even a retweet. I don't know, but a like for sure from at 105.3 The Fan's Twitter handle today. I'm so proud of Carter. I love he's He and I get along so well. He's smiling back there, I think. Can't really see him back there. Like Utah, I mean, sorry, like, <laughs> of, I was looking up a trade. Of like... <laughs> No, not like a Utah the, tree. The snow or something? Like yeah, the freezing somebody rain? Just, somebody just texted in because we have weather here, Mike. Somebody just texted in from the 817. Every place has weather. If y'all still want traffic updates, it's starting to sleet down to, by downtown Fort Worth. HOV lanes in both directions are closed. Big sleet in Argyle, boys. Hunker down. Lots more of the, uh, of the, the sleet conversations. Don't you love to see those pictures on Twitter, though, Mike, when people are, like, shooting their little videos of the sleet coming down in the storm. So I want to see it. Tweet it at 105.3 The Fan and see if the fans Carter Freeman, or you can just tweet tweet it straight to Carter, uh, at Carter 105.3, something like that. Yeah. Just tweet it directly to him. He loves those things, just like Kevin loves sunsets. All right, Mike. Okay. We see this morning as we wake up that the Mavericks are listening to offers for, or inter- there are int- is interest in Dorian Finney-Smith. From from Sham Sharani, yes. who's a very good source. Like yes. it's not from you know rando. Like you start having to look up their Twitter handle and be like, who are they covering and it, how did they get this? NBAleaguetalk.com/slash/net. Like, there's three people, right? The Woj bombs, which yes. when he says something, there's a lot to it. I would say Sham Sharania, and especially with the Dallas Mavericks, Mark Stein. Those are three awesome sources. There's other great sources too. Tim McMahon's a very good source. There's Brian Windhorst, who's, you know, LeBron's guy, who usually is a pretty reliable source. There's other reliable sources, but the three are usually Windhorst, Shams, and Mark Stein that are your three best sources for trade news, free agency news, NBA news. When when I hear that, my first thought is, because I'm greedy, you know, and I, I understand Cowboys fans that wanted to keep Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. I'm greedy. I would love that, too. Yeah. I love having Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith last year in the as they were on their way to the Western Conference Finals being interchangeable three-point shooting defensive players. They were great defensively, and they were hitting three-pointers at a clip that we've never seen before. This year has been different, and they aren't quite the same players, and the Mavericks have to look at this roster and say, what is valuable? What can we What can we trade? They yeah. don't have any assets, Mike. And I think this is where the report is coming out. 
I don't think it's the Mavs giving Shams this report. I think the Mavs don't leak very no, often. No, and so I think it's other teams going, hey, who do you guys like or who do you guys are, are hoping to get? And so when it comes to the Mavericks, from what we understand, nobody wants Tim Hardaway Jr. No, nobody in the NBA actually sees Tim Hardaway Jr. as much of an asset. Cleveland has searched around going, hey, if you want to give him away, and the Mavs might not be in the complete total giveaway aspect yet of things. Nobody wants Dwight Powell, I've asked. And they, no, nobody thinks Dwight Powell's a good basketball player in the league. What? Uh, but the Mavs are like, hey, but he's an expiring contract. You want to give us like a really good player? He's an expiring contract. They're like, well, what are we supposed to do with Dwight Powell? Right. You know, like, so how many first-round picks are you attaching to this thing? They're like, but Dwight Powell. And they're like, yeah, you're the only – there's 30 teams in the NBA. You're the one that thinks he can actually be good at basketball when it matters the most. And he's an older guy. And I think with Dorian Finney-Smith, the reason that this makes sense is Dorian Finney-Smith makes a lot of sense to good basketball teams. He's in the prime of his career. He's having a down year. If you look at it, this is the worst he's shot the three-point ball since 2018-19. This is the worst overall percentage he's had from the field since 2017-2018. He's not having a good year. That being said, teams are like, we still know he's on a – he's getting paid the right amount of money. He's not – getting overpaid and he's not really getting underpaid it's like no for a team trying to win we see him as a guy who can play about 24 minutes a night whether it's starting or off the bench he might be our fifth best guy and play at the end of the game he might be our sixth best guy and we're not playing him at the end of the game but he's a guy that I think makes a lot of sense for teams trying to make the playoffs or trying to make a playoff run and now it's the Mavs who have to make a decision he's 29 years old he probably still has three to four more years of good basketball in him before he starts telling off as a basketball player. And are we willing to now not give up on Dorian Finney-Smith, but are we looking more towards the future? And Dorian Finney-Smith can help you next year. He can help you the year after that. He's under a reasonable, solid contract, and this is a bad year for him. But at the end of the day, are you going, I don't know what the Mavs want. That's the one thing is when they're offering just an expiring contract, I don't think the Mavs want just an expiring contract for Dorian Finney-Smith. I think they want like a young and upcoming player and then maybe future draft picks okay. because the Mavs don't really have any second round picks left. They've traded right. a lot of their second round picks over the years. And after this season, there's a good chance, I'd say a 65% chance this pick goes to the New York Knicks. There's a small percentage that the Mavericks are one of the 10 worst teams in the NBA this year. Very small, though. And they have to keep the pick, which means it gets passed on to 2024. So I don't know. The, the Utah Jazz supposedly are interested in Dorian Finney-Smith. The Jazz have three first-round picks. Maybe the Mavericks are looking at it and go, we want one of those first-round picks. We need one of those first-round picks because we're trying to help the future. Maybe they like Jared Vanderbilt, who's a younger guy. In fact, Jared Vanderbilt, you know who he looks like to me? He looks like Dorian Finney-Smith five years ago. Okay. Like, he looks like you're getting Dorian Finney-Smith, who I believe Vanderbilt's 23 or 24 years old. Dorian Finney-Smith is uh, 29 years old. In fact, he's 23 years old. He'll turn 24 in uh, April. But it's like, hey, can we get similar size guy? who uh, looks like he's turning into Dorian Finney-Smith in his career, becoming a little bit better at three-point shooting. Still nothing you want to be too excited about. A good rebounder, good defender, and can we take this guy like we took Dorian? Dorian Finney-Smith couldn't make a three-point shot to save his life 
in his first two years in the NBA. I mean, you would have said you would have given a Shaquille O'Neal a better chance of hitting a three-pointer when you watched Dorian Finney-Smith his first two years in the NBA try to shoot a three-point shot. And yet, he developed into now a solid three-point shooter. So He's got a big, a bigger body than yeah, Dorian. From, he is. Yeah. Like and, it just, he just looks bulkier up top for and, me. And so it's just a matter of right now the Mavs have to make a decision, which I think this. I do think Nico has been stunted in a couple of ideas that he's had because Mark Cuban is not willing to pay the luxury tax. Now, if you can go get Giannis or you can go get Ja Morant, Mark Cuban's willing to pay the luxury tax. Unfortunately, players like Giannis and Ja Morant and Kevin Durant and LeBron James, as far as we know, are not available to the Dallas Mavericks for the assets they have. So when you want to go make your team better, let's just say you really like Lori Marketing. Now, this might not be the best example. Well, if you like Lori Marketing, Mark Cuban might be saying, you need to trade away salary in the future to get him because I'm not just taking Lori Marketing for expiring contracts because I'm not willing to pay him and then pay the luxury tax on top of getting players. So it stunts Nico Harrison's ability to talk to teams if he knows he cannot get players that are going to cost him the luxury tax in upcoming seasons. Right. So now is Nico looking at Dorian Finney-Smith and going, well, if I trade him and attach, let's just say, JaVel Magoo to it, and now I'm getting rid of Magoo's contract, then maybe it helps me out in negotiating other players to come here because if I get him to come here for $10 million or I re-sign this guy, then I'm staying under the luxury tax. So I think Nico Harrison's in a tough position here. He knows his team isn't good enough to compete now. Right. He knows that his owner isn't willing to spend uh, the way that other teams spend, and what I mean by that is the Clippers or Golden State. He's not willing to spend a lot. And he doesn't have assets. And he doesn't have like a lot of assets. So do I just start start over a two-year period trying to starting now trying to rebuild this whole thing? Get rid of all my 29 to 31 year old players. Like I'm sure Reggie Bullock, like if I trade for Cam Reddish, him to the New York Knicks, Cam Reddish isn't a guy that I'm excited about. And I don't think Nico would be excited about. But I get rid of Reggie Bullock's one year contract after the season's over at approximately eleven million dollars. So I think Nico's in a tough position right now. Do so. I guess here's the: What direction would you want? Here's what you have: thirty-one games left, something along about, those lines. Everybody, everybody has about thirty games left in the NBA. In in like reality, would you rather? I'm not saying tank the rest of the season. In reality, right. in reality, would you want this team to go in a younger direction, just overall, and just start trying to build through the draft, or because you're trying, you're talking about almost fire sailing. Yeah, kind of in that mindset of, look, we, you know, if it's not Luca, we aren't anything. So we we got to build more around it. Yeah, is that is that the avenue? Is there enough talent in the draft to pull from and build that team? And is that enough to keep Luca around and interested for the future? Because now he has to play with all these new young players, and he's going to deal with frustrations like Josh Green not being ready to yeah. to shoot and pass at the right times. I think it's interesting because for. Over a decade, for about 15 years, since about, I'd look at the Devin Harris draft, and that was 2004, 2005. Mark Cuban has hated the draft. He tried to buy the draft. There was an interview. This is how Mark Cuban doesn't like when I do this because I can remember these things that he doesn't want Mavs fans to know or remember. He bought the Dallas Mavericks, and he bought draft picks. And so he's getting interviewed. Peter Vesey used to cover the NBA the way that – you know, not Woj or anything like that, but he was a big contributor to, to the NBA back in 2000. 
and Peter Vesey's on the draft, and they're interviewing Mark Cuban because he's a new owner in the league, and Mark Cuban's buying draft picks. Mark Cuban wants to, and he said, what are you trying to do, buy a championship? And Mark Cuban pretty much was on the NBA draft with Peter Vesey. He said, damn right, I'm buying a championship. He bought, Eton Thomas, I believe, was their pick. Courtney Alexander, horrible pick. Uh, Darnell Harvey from Florida, horrible pick. And then Eduardo Nahara, the second-round pick, was the best pick that they had. Thomas just was hurt a lot for the Mavs, and he ended up having an okay career in the NBA after leaving the Mavs. But it's like early on, the draft didn't pay off for Mark Cuban. It didn't work out. Right. And he was buying picks. He was he was offering as much money as he could to NBA teams. You don't want the pick. I'll offer you all the money I can offer you to get these picks. I'm coming in, and I'm going to buy a championship. And through the draft, not only didn't it work out, it worked out so bad that he gave up on drafting NBA basketball players. And through time, he was just like, well, I don't really care about the draft. I don't like the draft. We don't really concentrate much on the draft. And then finally, as it got to be as bad as it got, he's like, we got to find a, a superstar in this draft. And he did. He found Luca. I give him all the credit in the world. Whoever it was, I give him all the credit. He he passed on Giannis. He passed on a lot of opportunities in the draft over a, a long period of time, but he got Luca. And as soon as he got Luca, what did he do? He quit on the draft again. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's like, I quit the draft. I, 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 I never liked the draft. I don't want a draft. I got Luca. I quit the draft. And now we're in a situation where we have a bunch of 30 year old guys who aren't good players. They're role players. And and, and I shouldn't say, like, Dinwiddie's a good player. I like Dinwiddie. He's a good player. I like Dorian Finney-Smith. He's a good player. So I don't want to knock these guys too much. But really, when you look at the teams that become successful, either they have all the money in the world, and they're like, look, we don't care if we're $100 million over the cap, and we have to pay another $200 million in taxes. We'll do it. Or you look at teams that go, we start building through the draft. It takes us about two to five drafts to do it. But once we do it, we're in a good position because we've drafted so well over a period of time. But when the Mavs decided we're quitting the draft after getting Luka, it makes it really tough on the assets you have and then what you can do. So I think you asked a great question, Corey, and maybe I talked around it like Jerry Jones, but I don't know the direction Nico's supposed to go, but this direction's a bad direction. Keeping this thing together, just going down this path is a horrible way. And like I put, I don't like bashing Mark Cuban, but I feel like I have to at this point. I think Mark Cuban loves basketball. I just don't think he really can watch basketball and evaluate players. So he wants to be good at basketball. He does have a budget, which really stinks. We never thought Mark Cuban would be the budget man, but he is a very budgeted man on his NBA roster. And then I don't think he's very good at evaluating talent in the NBA. From the 817, you have to have a good balance of mix of vets and youth keeping DFS. Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi are a must. The rest can go. But nobody wants the rest. That's the problem. And, what and do you do with the rest? Nobody wants Bertans. Nobody wants Tim Hardaway Jr. Nobody wants Magoo. Nobody wants Dwight Powell. So if nobody wants those guys, then you have to just keep the same team for the next two years. Yeah, and that like that's the the in whenever you have Dorian Finney Smith, I'm not saying Mac Maxi is actually untradeable right now because of his injury, but when you have a Dorian Finney Smith that is valuable, you can always look at it and say, I have something that's really good on a championship roster. It's really good to have a Dorian Finney Smith. Right. Yeah. On this roster, it is you're asking him to play above his head. Right. You're asking him to do something that he can do, but it is all of the limitations that he has yeah. to do it. So you have to say, is it value, more valuable to them 
than it is to me? Can I convince them that it's more valuable to them and get something out of it that can make my team better so that when the next time I do have a Dorian Finney-Smith, A, I don't have to pay him $14 million a year, and B, I can also have a guy that is a contributor on my team instead of me saying he has to play 42 minutes because of what he is. Here's the, here's the other thing, too, which we didn't mention because he's been out, is I don't know where Christian Wood fits in the future of the Dallas Mavs. I do not think Christian Wood will be a Dallas Maverick next year. So if you know that, if you know you're not going to offer him what other teams are probably going to offer him, then you have to trade him these next two weeks. Now, I'm not saying there's a huge trade market for Christian Wood because other teams, I think, have questions on him. I really like his fit here, but it doesn't matter what I like. It doesn't matter what you like as a Mavs fan. I don't think the Mavericks see him as a future fit. They don't see him as a great fit now. And Mark Cuban, I don't think, wants to pay him the money that he's probably going to get. So if that's the case, then Nico's in a tough position where he has to get pennies on the dollar for Christian Wood. And I think that he will be traded. I think he will be traded for something that we all go, oh, my God. What did we get? A dude who's averaging 20 and 10 as a starter, we got that for him? That's all we got? But when you're told you're not going to re-sign him and he's gone after this year, I don't – it's tough to really get something good for that guy. Yeah, I I, I do wonder if it's a, a small – any small step I feel for the Mavericks is not a big enough step at all. Like any small trade doesn't for me – make me think that it's a big enough move for the direction of where they need to go with Luca. Anything that's just a small, oh, we did we just swung this guy for that. It's not big enough. They gotta they gotta acquire some assets for Nico to be able to do his job. Yeah, this might be unfortunately after losing Brunson, Christian Wood not fitting, I guess, in the way that they want him to fit, is this might be a two or three year rebuild that we don't as Mavs fans really want to go through, but it might be necessary Nico might have to, and I'm for this. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm for this. He might have to almost rebuild this thing, and we might be in 500 land this year, next year, and the year after. Even though we have one of the five best players in the NBA, we might be in rebuilding mode because there's just not enough to really push this thing forward, and you have to almost let all of these things disintegrate. You have to let Magoo finally get off your team. You have to let Hardaway Gallo get off your team. You have to almost let these things kind of go. And that takes a while because you have to let those contracts expire since nobody wants those players on other teams. Uh, by the way, the big news of the day is Kellen Moore was, they mutually parted ways with the Cowboys. And now it looks like he is heading to the Chargers. We'll keep a. Uh, Eyes out for what the next move is at coordinator or the guy who will take the role. Sounds like McCarthy's calling plays. We also do have fan bowl registration open for one more day. Your chance to play in one of the coolest paper football tournaments in America. Go to 1053thefan.com. Click our contest page. You win a possible slot in our fan bowl tournament. There is $3,000 in prize money up for grabs, including a $1,500 first prize. It's happening this Saturday. Revolver Brewing at Texas Live. It's an awesome place, by the way. Texas Live, Mike, I know you've been out there at the stadium for a while now, but they did a really good job, and they've been planning to build that out there for a long time. We will be out there at Texas Live. Weather's going to be great. So go to 105.3thefan.com and click on the contest tab for your chance to be part of it. Either way, we'll be there this Saturday at 2 o'clock, hanging out, loving the Tolos, happy to see all of you out there, really looking forward to it, maybe we can just figure out what the Cowboys are going to do while we're there. But, Mike, All right. you told me this this morning. 
and Tolos. We're lucky to have Mike Bassick today as we now go into Mike Likes It. All right, so here's Mike Likes It. This is going to be an interesting story that uh, started getting passed around the Metroplex pretty quickly. And So Saturday, my sons had basketball games uh, at Bishop Dunn, the school that they go to. And I was watching the first game and everything went well. Nothing happened. Cal played a good game. It was his 13th birthday this weekend. Nice. So happy birthday to Cal, who turned, birthday, turned Cal. 13 yesterday, had his friends over Saturday night for uh, you know, the sleepover and, and had a lot of fun. But then after the seventh grade game was over, the eighth grade game happened and the eighth grade team was playing great. Everything was going fine, sitting in the stands, watching the basketball game. And my son reached in to steal the ball uh, from an opponent opponent. And this happens in basketball is immediately after he reached in, he grabbed his hand and went to the bench and was screaming and yelling. Oh, jammed his finger, huh? Yes, and so I knew he either jammed his finger, dislocated his finger, or broke his finger. It was easy to tell from my aspect, but my wife and the other moms that maybe don't really watch a lot of basketball or played basketball don't really, like, I don't know, maybe it's his wrist, maybe it was his elbow, and I'm like, no, it was his finger. (laughs) There's three options here of what it could be. And so then they called my wife over, because she is a doctor, and they said, hey, you need to look at this. And I was like, oh, that's not good because if it was just jammed, they wouldn't be calling a doctor over to yeah, look at it. So now I'm thinking it. it's either dislocated or broken. And so then she yells for me to come over or for Dr. Keys, who is uh, a great pediatrician also at Oak Cliff Pediatrics with my wife. And so we both go over there and I do not handle things well like dislocations or breaks or stuff like did she that. Look, did, did Sue look panicked? She looked concerned. Okay. She wasn't panicked, but she did look concerned, like she needs help on okay. this one. And so then we go over, and I look at my son's right middle finger, and it is facing another direction, and it is white. It is not getting any blood Ooh. to it, so it is dislocated. Oh. So once I saw that, that's when my body started going into a little bit of panic mode because I don't handle these things well. On television, when there is a knee that that does what knees do or there is something that cracks or breaks, I don't watch the replays. I can't watch replays. It sends me into a bad place. I can't do it. I, I want to throw up and uh, I start getting lightheaded. So after seeing my son's finger... I looked at one of his teammates on the bench who had just seen his hand too, and they were very concerned with Jake's look like broken finger, but I knew it was dislocated where it was at the knuckle. But I started getting lightheaded. And so then Did the teammate say anything to you? Like No, no, no. Okay, all right, all right. I was I was a little bit far away from the bench, but then Sue and Dr. Keys said they tried to pull it back into place and they couldn't pull oh. it back into place. And so Sue's like, I got it because there's no blood getting to this finger. We got to get to the hospital and get somebody to uh, get this finger located. So they leave, and I don't want to take anything away from Jake and Sue, who's going to go to the hospital. And she just said, hey, you stay here with Cal and watch the rest of the eighth grade game, and then we'll go home and meet you at home. So as I'm walking, there's a dead ball. And as I'm walking behind the basket and I'm walking to the bleachers and I can't get to where I was sitting, because I'm getting so lightheaded and so dizzy now that I'm like, oh, no, I have felt this feeling once before. I need to sit down. So I sit down on the bleachers, uh, first row, right across from Bishop Dunn's bench, and I'm like, I'm going to fight this. I'm not going to pass out. I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to pass out. I'm going to fight this. Well, the (laughs) next thing I know, I have 
uh, Dr. Keys and I'll say Cam's mom. Okay, Cam's mom. on the basketball team screaming at me. What? And I open my eyes and I'm like, why are you guys screaming at me? And why is this? Why are these two people screaming at me? And I had passed out. Oh. And so I had fallen out. And I'm I'm thinking, well, I must have just fallen asleep. Like, it must have been kind of a boring basketball. Like, in my brain, I'm trying to come to, and I'm thinking, why are these two moms <laughs> screaming at me? And then why i'm like i guess i just fell asleep at a game and then and then i was like oh yeah i remember dislocated i had that feeling okay my yeah. body had broken out in major sweats like and then as i'm getting up i'm like man i am sweating like my pants are wet from how much sweat has happened and then i kind of you know come to and then i'm looking and i've noticed the game has stopped i'm like oh my god i passed out and uh, people were very worried because the first person who checked on me said my my chest wasn't moving and oh, I was no. white. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm a white person, but okay. I guess, you yep. know, like yep. I was, my skin had gone pale, very pale. Gotcha. And so anyways, the ambulance was called. Because they were, because they didn't see your chest moving. Right. So they were freaking out. Right. And I wasn't wow. waking up immediately. And I guess it took a minute or two for me to finally come to, for me to wake up. And hold on, you said a doctor and Cam's mom. Yeah. Cam's mom's just a nice mom. Where was, where was Sue? She's Sue was in the parking lot oh. because she was taking Jake to the hospital. And then luckily we had a dad who yanked the finger back into place and relocated the finger. But as Sue was going to the car uh, with Jake... Then they're like, they yell at Sue. This is from Sue's point of view, because obviously I wasn't there at this point. I was passed out. Is they yell at Sue. They're like, Sue, get back in here. Your family needs you. <laughs> and so she's like, what happened? Like, what is going on that my family needs me again? Like, Jake's the one whose finger is not getting any blood to it and is dislocated. <laughs> right. And so then luckily, uh, dad was like, is, what's wrong with Jake? They're like, his finger's dislocated and we need to get it. You know, there's no blood circulation to it. And he's like, give it to me. And he yanked it back into place. Thank God for him. Oh, and uh, I don't have the confidence to do that for somebody, by the way. Sue, so don't ask me to. Sue goes over there and uh, then she's like, look, this happened before. And it has happened once in my life that I passed out. When Sue had, it's ironically Jake, our second child, she had a C-section. And uh, when they pulled Jake out of Sue's stomach, I passed out at that point, too. I do not handle. Really? So I've passed out twice in my life. So Sue has seen me do this before. So when she runs over there and sees me and she's like, oh, this happens to him. He passes out. But I had to go over. The ambulance was called. Eventually, they let me stand up and walk out of the gym. And then I sat on uh, some steps outside of the gym. And I guess everybody clapped for me. I felt it. I was embarrassed. They all cheered for you? Yeah. Standing like, ovation. Yeah, that boy, Mike. Mike. I was embarrassed. Did that... you give him the thumbs up? The no, thumbs up is a I huge just, deal. I wanted, to get, I wanted to get out of the situation because I knew I was fine. Like, I knew I was okay. I just passed out. I don't handle those things well. Luckily, I sat down. Luckily, as I was getting oh, really lightheaded, yeah. instead of falling... And they, I guess, I guess I, you're a tall guy. That's a long fall. I guess I look like I was having a little bit of seizure situation. Happening, okay. Which All right. My heart rate did get down. I had my Fitbit on. So then we looked at it later on what it was down to during the situation. And it was in the forties when that was happening. So obviously my heart rate had gone down tremendously. My resting heart rate somewhere, somewhere between 65 and 80. Uh, but then they put all these things on me and made sure that I was doing okay. And I was okay as i started getting color back and started but it was it was embarrassing but then it starts getting passed around that 
You know, I bet your phone was blowing up. Yeah, like, are you okay? Like, did, Mike Bassick, former you know. pro athlete, passes so, out in arena. So yeah, so it was like, yeah, we heard that you looked over. Like, it, uh, people had said, well, we heard that you looked at your son's finger and immediately passed out. And I was like, it wasn't immediate, but I, <laughs> yeah. I did get lightheaded when I saw it. I did walk to, you know, the other side of the gym uh, and sit down in the bleachers, and that's when I passed out. And then. Like, nobody noticed it, I guess, immediately because, you know, the ball was on the other side of the court. And I guess when it came back to their side, they're like, why is this dude laying? Like, why is this guy out, you know, who just walked? And so that's when they tried to wake me up. And I, I didn't wake up immediately. And then I guess a minute or two later, I finally uh, came to. And then the ambulance came and checked me out and asked me all these questions and looked at my EKG. And they're like, all I, right. I do have a couple of questions. Yeah. And somebody, um, the fan text is loving this a lot. Most of people yeah. are saying this, Mike, they're glad you're okay. Like yeah. most of the people are saying they're glad you're okay. Some people are like, hold on, I have the same situation. I can't see stuff like that. It's cringy for me. One person said they were cringing just listening to it. They thought they were going to pass out when you're talking about that. But somebody did say, hold on. So you let, so the, some random dad fixed the kid's finger and not the doctor. And I was, that they was, tried very, so like, Sue, Sue, Sue and Sue and I call her Dr. Bassick and Dr. Keys, two okay. doctors. They tried pulling the finger back in place. They just weren't strong enough. So it took a dad who was strong enough. And also they say sometimes the moms and dads aren't the best because yes. you are so you're, you have a lot of, you have a lot into this child. Yep. And so sometimes <laughs> yanking the finger as hard as you can possibly yank your not doing it as hard because you are worried about their feelings where another ra- a random doctor or a random dad who's strong enough is like, I'm going to yank this thing as hard as I can because you can't really hurt it anymore. I don't think you can. And got it back into place. His finger's very swollen and and uh, very sore. But obviously I had to deal with a lot of people. Are you okay? I heard you passed out. So it started getting passed around that, that- like uh, that I was in uh, peril on Saturday afternoon. And luckily – Luckily, everything was okay. I did go home. I felt sick to my stomach. I felt very sleepy and very tired afterwards. But eventually by Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, like this happened around 1.30-ish, by about 5 o'clock, I felt pretty It affected you that long? Well, because I just felt nauseous. I felt tired. Um, That's insane. And I also, I think I banged my neck on the bleachers. My head didn't hurt at all, but the back of my neck... Uh, kind of hurt, so maybe either my head whipped back or whipped forward. I don't know. Obviously, when I passed out, I passed out. You need I don't, to go into protocol. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but Any I remember. The light? Are you okay there? I'm okay. Okay, all right. Yeah, but I just remember looking at one of my son's teammates, and he looked concerned, and I looked at him, and I was like, "Not only should you be concerned, but I am getting lightheaded <laughs> now." And I should have told Sue because Sue's like, "If you would have told me, I would have laid you down right there," knowing yeah. that you're probably like. You're not going to win this battle from from what I understand now from Sue and Dr. Keys. You're when you feel that lightheaded and you know you've passed out before with this feeling, you're probably not going to beat this feeling. You're you're probably going to pass out. That's how competitive Mike is. To, you need to lay down to make sure when it happens that there's nothing you do except kind of pass out gently and then eventually wake back up. Evidently this is a uh this is like a, a real there is a I don't I want I don't want to read this out loud cuz I don't know yeah. what it is but there, this is a real thing where people who see blood or things like this have an episode yeah. just like this. I my nearest moment like this I guess was whenever Adrian was about to have Carter 
and they were preparing her for the C-section and her blood pressure dropped and like to the point where they all moved me out of the way and started like there were three doctors working with her and I had one of those moments where I felt like I was far away from everything watching from a distance and couldn't do any I felt helpless yeah but I didn't I didn't pass out but that's as close I've ever had from anything like that that is wild but Mike I will make sure I never get a paper cut or start bleeding in this place because I want to make sure that you're taken care of, all right? So we're going to make sure this is a safe place for you. Yeah. So nothing like that ever happens, I was happens, pretty embarrassed. Buddy. I just put it on Twitch. I was like, yeah, I was pretty embarrassed. But a lot of people were concerned and worried and thought I might have, like, you know, either seizured or or something like that because I was not looking well. Uh, you look great right now, Mike. On the bench. But you, you look great. I did great. a 45-minute Peloton ride yesterday. I, I, I'm I'm. Feeling pretty healthy. And he's back in the game. All right, ladies and gentlemen, coming up next, I don't have a story like that, but it's time for the C-Block. Ten players who are going to get paid this offseason next on The Fan.